Welcome, everyone, to episode 309 of Fergo and the Freak. My name is the Glorious League Freak. And, well, hasn't it been a little bit of a mess in rugby league recently? Um, Let's start off in Canberra, where George Williams, there's been a lot of rumours that he wanted to leave Canberra and go back home. And you could tell by the way he was playing over the last few weeks, he wasn't happy there. Like, I've been critical of his play as a halfback in the NRL. I didn't think that he was the sort of halfback that Canberra could rely upon to win an NRL title for. But when you've watched his last few weeks for the Raiders, he just looks like he wants to be elsewhere. So there are all these rumours swirling around. Anyway, a couple of days ago, the Raiders put out a press release saying that they had released him with immediate effect. And George Williams hit back with an interesting response because there was, a, there was a few different things going on here. First of all, James Hooper started writing about it and writing things that George Williams was not too happy about. So George Williams put out a tweet a couple of days ago saying that a report by James Hooper was false. And, he, and this is the tweet. He said, false. I text to explain my mental well-being to the welfare manager. I asked for a release weeks ago for the end of the season. Not once did I ask for an immediate release, but instead of supporting me, the club kicked me out the door. Plus, I've not even signed the release. And then he's got like a, you know, a questioning smiley face there, I guess you'd call it. So Williams has a problem with the reporting by Hooper, James Hooper. He puts out this tweet. He's obviously not happy with how the Canberra Raiders have handled things, releasing him immediately. And all of this was sort of happening at the same time. Now, Williams' text come out, or tweet, sorry, come out, while James Hoop was on NRL 360. Now, NRL 360 is a show I don't watch, mainly because there are people like James Hooper on it. And they read this tweet to James Hooper, and you've probably seen the memes that have been started up from the picture. It's pretty funny. He looks a bit clueless. Uh, he wrote a response today on his blog on the Fox Sports website, because all he does is blog these days. And he basically said, well, if you really wanted to go home and you were looking for a release at the end of the year, why were you telling your manager to find a club that was near a beach in Australia? which I thought was a really weird response because if you go to any English person and said, oh, you want to live near a beach in Australia, they'll kind of look at you and stare at you for a little bit and sort of be like, well, yes, yes, I do. Um, it's an interesting situation because on one side, you've got Williams that's saying, look, I did want to leave at the club, but I wanted to go at the end of the year. He's not happy about the way it's being portrayed by the the Canberra Raiders themselves. He's really unhappy at James Hooper, as many people are. We had a few former players speak out about James Hooper, including Daniel Mortimer, who had a pretty strong tweet about James Hooper. And, you know, it's just all such a big mess. And now Canberra don't have the halfback that they expected to play for the entire season for them. Uh, there is a little bit of talk that they might look at getting Chad Townsend for the rest of the season. I think that's a little bit weird. 
Um, there's an article about that today or that you'll be reading today at some point. You know, the Raiders, I think, as they were constructed, weren't a title contender whatsoever. And I said that going into the start of the year. I think that they were a team that got so far they needed to improve. And for whatever reason, they didn't improve. They didn't change their the areas of their club that really needed changed. They didn't fix problems that they have. And now what you've got is a team that's not good enough. There's unrest in the camp. They've had one player go and, you know, they've got a couple of players injured. They've got players that are getting suspended and things like that. It's not a good place for the club to be in. And it's not an easy situation for Ricky Stewart to handle at this point. Um, You know, who knows who is in the right and who is in the wrong. I'm not going to say anybody's, you know, right or wrong in this regard. I think it'll play out over time. But you do have to now question the way that the Canberra Raiders have recruited from the UK because they had Bateman at the club and Bateman's, you know, departure from the club was pretty messy. This is another departure from a former Wigan player that looks like it's going to be messy. Um, I just wonder if they would do the same things over again with their recruitment, especially when you look at the fact that the Josh Hodgson situation is also sort of hanging over the club where he's coming off the bench in games now for them. There's talk that he will leave to go to another club at the end of the season. I just think it's a bad situation for the Raiders to be in. And, you know, that they weren't a premiership threat at the start of the year. And it's weird. It all kind of goes back to that Panthers game that they were in where they led early on. The Panthers come home and just blew them off the park by the end of it. And the Raiders started whinging after that game that the Panthers were arrogant. The Panthers have won every single game since, and the Raiders have struggled to win games. So um, maybe that Panthers game was the straw that broke the camel's back. Who knows? But it's not a good time to be a Raiders fan right now. And I would suggest that the best thing the club could do is maybe use this as an opportunity to clear out any problems they've got at the club with their personnel. Know that this season's done and dusted and look towards next year. I think they they really desperately need a halfback, a quality halfback too. They need somebody alongside Jack Whiten who can control the play um, because, you know, Williams just wasn't very good at that aspect of the game. And uh, I think that they they could use a couple of centres as well, to be honest with you. And look, I think Hodgson, you've got to move him on and let him go at the end of the year because there's just too many problems at the club. They've got to kind of start afresh and look towards their future at this point. Now, State of Origin 1 to be held in Melbourne. Uh, A few days ago, I talked a little bit about this on the podcast. There are now grumblings that that game could be moved. We're on the verge of Melbourne being locked down for about... They're talking about locking Melbourne down for five days because of this COVID outbreak, which is getting bigger and bigger down there, unfortunately. Um, You know, I don't see how you could get to a point where you go from a five-day lockdown and all of a sudden you're saying, oh, yeah, it's all right for 90,000 people to fill the MCG. I just don't see how that happens. 
I wrote an article earlier today about, or yesterday, as you'll be hearing this podcast, about where I think it would be cool to see a State of Origin game played if it didn't get to be played at the MCG. Now, the way that I did this was I ruled out Perth and Adelaide because I think with lockdowns and things like that, I just can't imagine it would be that easy to convince those state governments to bring the Origin Circus to their city. So I ruled them out. I also ruled out Sydney and Brisbane because I can see where the New South Wales Rugby League and the Queensland Rugby League are saying, hey, you know, give us the two games and let the other side have one in terms of their genuine home stadiums. But I put together a list of four places where I think it would be cool to have a State of Origin game. So the first place I selected was Auckland's Eden Park. Now, they have a capacity of 50,000 at Eden Park, and that's just as is right now. Um, it would take a lot of work from the New Zealand government to okay this. I think it would be a fly-in, fly-out job where, you know, the Origin players might not even be there for 24 hours if this worked out. Uh, it's a long shot. It's a it's a very big long shot. And you've also got the issue of the game in Auckland time would have to kick off pretty late for the Australian broadcasters to be okay with it. And I tend to think they wouldn't be okay with that. I think they would not want this to happen. Um, but it would be amazing. Can you imagine the build-up for the game in Auckland and New Zealand? And it kind of is this thing that's come out of nowhere. It would be absolutely massive in New Zealand if that happened, especially when you consider the fact that the Warriors have been over here since early last year. So they haven't really got to see that high level of rugby league being, rugby league being played over in New Zealand. Uh, it would be incredible but I don't think it had happened. The second place that I think would be really interesting is McDonald, McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. Now, they have a reported capacity of 33,000 at the stadium. I'm guessing you could probably bump that up with some temporary seating and things like that. I can't even imagine what Newcastle would be like leading into a state of origin match. It would be absolutely going off. I think it is a nice stadium in terms of, you know, getting an atmosphere when it's full. I think it would really feel like an origin crowd, which would be really cool. Um, so that would be my second choice. My third choice is Townsville's new stadium. Uh, I can't remember what they call it. They might just call it Townsville Stadium at the moment. Now that's got a capacity of 25,000. So that's a little bit smaller. I think that just giving a state of origin to an area like that would be absolutely wild. People in North Queensland would snap up the tickets immediately. You could probably charge whatever you wanted for the state of origin tickets in a 25,000 seater in North Queensland. Um, I have a feeling for an origin game that the design of that stadium would make it very, very loud. I think it would be fantastic. I don't know if they've got the ability to put any temporary seating in to bump up the capacity of the stadium, but I think it'll be a fantastic event, very special event up there. Now, the, the fourth one and the last one I selected was Canberra Stadium. They've got a capacity there 
that's listed at 20,011, weirdly enough. You could probably, once again, boost that a little bit with temporary seeding. Um, I asked the question on my website, would that be the coldest state of origin we've ever had? I would suggest it maybe would be. I don't know how it would be received in Canberra. Obviously, it would be a massive, massive event. It's kind of on neutral territory being in the ACT, but we we kind of know that that's not the case. I mean, the ACT is definite, definitely Blues territory. They definitely don't go for Queensland, that's for sure. But they were the four places that I felt you could play State of Origin games at and it just be a little bit different. But the, the big one for me would be Eden Park. I think if you played at Eden Park, you're taking a, a situation that's not a good situation, losing all of those fans, there's paying fans in Melbourne, and I, I feel like you're changing it to a special occasion where you're still getting 50,000 paying fans. Uh, you're giving New Zealand their first big international event, as far as I know, since COVID kicked off. Uh, I think that that would be absolutely amazing. and But we'll see what happens. I think that the NRL, the ARL and, you know, everyone involved, I think that they would go for the much safer option. And right now it seems as though that safer option is going to be playing at a Canberra Stadium down the, in the ACT. Uh, but who knows? We could just see it played at Suncorp or we could see it played at the SCG at this stage. Now, a little bit of player movement news with uh, Tom Dearden possibly going to the North Queensland Cowboys with immediate effect. Um, This feels like the right move for both sides. The Broncos haven't had him in the side since he signed for the Cowboys, and the Cowboys could really use a good halfback right now. Um... You know, there's always talk when these moves happen that we need a mid-season a transfer window so that players can move from cl- one club to another and then players do move from one club to another anyway. And I never understand what people want from a supposed transfer window. It seems really weird to me, but that's a uh, that's a move that I think will be good for all parties. It'll allow the Broncos to you know, bring somebody else through in their 30-man squad that they might have an eye on for the future. And it allows the Cowboys to, you know, the future is now basically for the Cowboys. So that's a good move for everyone. Um, Victor Radley, he got a five-match suspension for his game last weekend. Look, it was... I, I didn't agree with all of the charges that he was handed I thought there were a couple of times he did hit plays in the head but I didn't think any of them were all that terrible to be honest and I I talked about it in the last podcast you know there is contact you can do with the head that doesn't do a great deal of damage at all it doesn't concuss a player doesn't even really hurt a player but the NRL has deemed that all contact with the head is potentially dangerous, and so they're going to slam all of these players that that are caught doing it. Um, Victor Radley, I liked his the way that he come out from the judiciary. He basically said, "I'm not changing the way I play. I think I play the right way that rugby league's supposed to be played." And good luck to him. He's probably going to get suspended a whole lot because of it, but let's see what happens. 
Um, I am really, really worried that the State of Origin games are just going to be completely ruined by this new crackdown by the NRL. Um, We'll see. I actually saw that Trevor Gilmeister today was saying that they need to reward players for tackling lower. And what you see at the moment with the six again rule that they're calling, you know, whenever somebody looks like they're slowing down a play, you can see a player tackle an attacking player around the ankles, really good tackle. But unless they release them immediately and basically allow the player to get up and get a really quick play the ball, they get called for a six again call. It's a penalty to a, to tackle somebody around the ankles or even like a a low on the body. And that's something that in the early 2000s, they sorted out. They realized when we were playing almost that horrible, quick style of touch football that we're almost pretty much playing now again, that they had penalized plays that were attacking around the ankle too much. And they fixed it. They said, look, we're going to give more leeway to those defensive players to hold on a little bit longer. Of course, with all things in rugby league, they stop thinking about it. They go away from it. And then, you know, a new referee's boss steps in and says, we need the game quicker. It's better when it's quicker. I don't know why it's better when it's quicker, but it's always better when it's quicker, they keep saying. And yeah, we're back to square one again. So... Let's see what they do with that rule. I would like them to allow tacklers that are down around the ankles to um to yeah to get a little bit more leeway and to not to hold on unnaturally, but just to allow the tackle to be stopped until they can release a player. Um, that would be a handy thing just in itself. A little bit of news now from over in Super League. And Greg Inglis looks like he will be on the sidelines for at least two months with a hamstring injury. They're saying that he picked up a grade three hamstring injury. And I tell you what, for how long he has been out of the game, and look, I haven't watched a great deal of Greg Inglis played. I I, I saw some highlights from his first game. He was carrying a lot of weight, a lot of weight. But he's the sort of player you expect to sort of run that weight off. Um, but to know he is now on the sideline for two months, that's a that's a pretty big blow. And it makes you wonder whether he will see out his contract with the Warrington Wolves. It might be something like this that sees him and the club pull the pin. I hope that it doesn't. I want to see Greg Inglis get back to some sort of form in rugby league. That would be really cool. And it'd be great for Super League to see English, you know, being the absolute absolute monster of a player that he used to be in the NRL. But, oh man, two months on the sideline, that is a rough go of it for Greg Inglis. Um, so we'll see how he comes back from that. Hopefully he can not put on too much weight as he is on the sidelines. Um, it's going to be difficult though. It's going to be real difficult for him to get back to his best from there. Speaking of Super League, the Catalan Dragons and their astonishment at Israel Folau saying he was going to play for the Southport Tigers. I believe that's what they're called, the Southport Tigers. Uh, Yes, in the Queensland Rugby League. They basically come out with a press release saying, hang on a second, 
this guy's still contracted to us. And now it seems the Queensland Rugby League is on their side. The Queensland Rugby League has said that they need a formal release from his contract with the Catalan Dragons before they will even consider allowing him to play in any Queensland Rugby League club. And once they get that international clearance, they will give him permission to play as a community rugby league level player and no higher than that. Um, It's just, it's a weird situation. For all of that grandstanding and all of that media attention that Israel Folau and Clive Palmer were able to gather at that press conference earlier this week, and he's still under contract with the Catalan Dragons. Like, what an absolute bloody mess that is. It seems, you know, just incredible. The thing that I have heard, though, about Israel Folau, if he does play in the Queensland Rugby League, they will have it so that if he makes any controversial uh, posts on any of his social media about any of the stuff that's got him sacked before from the Australian Rugby League, they'll have the ability to terminate his contract. So I don't know if that will be enough to, you know, placate people that don't want to see him back in Rugby League again, but I guess we will have to wait and see on that one. Now, looking ahead to the rest of the schedule for the podcast... Uh, On Friday, I'll be chatting with Jessica Dunn about the Newcastle Knights. They've had a really, really weird season. So it's going to be interesting to talk to her. Uh, We flick each other DMs every so often and messages just through open Twitter as well about how the Knights are going. And she, you know, you know when you've, you've supported a club where you felt like you've suffered for a number of years. And I felt like as a Penrith Panthers fan, I went through that. I can see a lot of the same signs in Jessica and Newcastle Knights fans. So it's going to be interesting to talk to her about that. The other thing that I want to talk to her about is the new TV deal that the A-League and and Australian soccer in general has signed. Um, They're moving away from Fox Sports and they're signing with a new streaming service called uh, Paramount Plus, I believe it's called. And they're also signing with Channel 10 as a free-to-air broadcaster. So that's a pretty big deal. And and it'll be cool to talk to her about what that might mean for soccer in Australia, but also other codes, including Rugby League, obviously. And then on Monday, uh, I'm recording an interview with the boys from Gainline Analytics. It's been a while since uh, we talked to Ben Darwin last, and and so we're going to have both the guys from Gainline Analytics on the podcast on Monday. Um, got a lot of things to talk to them about, how they see this season, what effects COVID had, just different things like that. So, um, and I want to want to talk to them a little bit about what their rating systems and things like that say about the Penrith Panthers and why they might, what, some of the areas that they feel like the Panthers are doing better than everyone else in. So I've got some general ideas about what they might say, but it's going to be really interesting, that interview. So stick around for that one. And I don't know if I can, but I'm going to try and, I don't know, sweet talk Andrew to do a podcast maybe between Friday and Monday. We'll see. I'll have to see. He's very busy at the moment. So he's teaching a baby how to put statistics into an Excel spreadsheet. And 
Apparently it takes days and days and days. So he's going to be a little while with that. Um, apparently the keyboard is pretty big for its little baby fingers. So, you know, we'll see how he goes with that. I'm sure he's doing pretty well there. And uh, that's it for this episode of the podcast. One thing I want to say, Nadine is running our Instagram account. She's doing a really good job of it too. Um, so if you've got an Instagram account, look up Fergo Freak Pod and you will find it. Give it a follow. It's really worth it. She's doing a really great job. Uh, me and Andrew, I don't have Instagram. Andrew doesn't really use Instagram. Like, come on. Like, as if we're going to use Instagram. Nadine said she would do it. So we're like, yeah, you do it. And she's doing really good work with it. So give it a look. Uh, we can, like, Nadine sees your messages and everything, but me and Andrew can as well. I know Andrew has Instagram. He just doesn't use it that much. And I can actually get your messages through uh, Facebook, you know, because of how it's all integrated. So that's interesting. Speaking of Facebook, like our Facebook page. If you look up Fergo on the Freak Pod, we're on Facebook. Um, look up leakfreak.com on Facebook as well because I've got a, a big Facebook page. I've got about 10,000 followers, 10,500 followers or something. So like my page as well. Uh, check out leakfreak.com. I'm putting a lot of content up at the moment, really random stuff, but it is good to, to get back into writing lately. Um, and, yeah, follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you want to support both me and Andrew and everything we do, Go to patreon.com forward slash league freak, no spaces, or patreon.com forward slash RL project. Uh, we kept our Patreon separate because Andrew had his for, I think Andrew said he had his for a couple of years before I started mine. And I said to him when, when I was thinking about starting it, I was like, look, is it all right if I do this? Like, you won't be upset. And he was like, nah, go for it. He's always really supportive of what I do, which is really cool to have somebody, a friend like that. And uh, so, yeah, so like flick us both a dollar or something a month. Like it doesn't take anything at all. Enough people do that. And we do rugby league stuff full time. Like that's, that's the level we both would love to get to where basically every day we are doing a rugby league podcast. We are writing articles you know, Andrew's doing stats. I'm doing, I don't know, something else. I don't know what it would be, but I'd work something out. I'd make videos on YouTube or something, which would be really cool. Um, so, yeah, flick us both a dollar or $2 a month on our Patreon pages. You can find both of our Patreon pages. If you go to com. let me just find it for you. Um, this is going to make for some great listening. If you go to fergoonthefreak.com and you go to links and you can, yeah, if you go to links and you see League Freak's Patreon page and then madquockers.com and then the Rugby League Podcasting Network. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, you do. I've got to put in, oh no, Rugby League Project Patreon page is on there too. Yeah, so you can get all of our stuff through uh, Um and you can follow us on YouTube, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. I think that's all of them. 
Uh, is there, are there any others that we've got here? No, I think that's all of them. Oh, we've got a MySpace page as well. You can actually find our MySpace page and you can like us or make us a friend on MySpace. We'd actually really both be impressed by that, that you could find your um, login details for your old MySpace pages. Anyway, that's enough from me. Uh, remember to retweet the podcast. Send us emails. We will get to them. I promise you eventually. I really, really promise you all eventually. And uh, we'll catch you soon.